song that the praise team just sang, untitled hymn, Come to Jesus. That's really where we need to spend our lives. It's really where we need to focus our time and our opportunities. Because whether you're singing to Jesus or coming to Jesus or dancing for Jesus or serving for Jesus, whatever you do, you should do it to the glory of Christ. And this week, uh, of course, our students will go back to school for half a day on Thursday. And uh, school begins full throttle that following week. And it's an opportunity and a time to come and begin afresh and new. A new school year has dawned. And as you think about the opportunities that lie before us, and as, even as we begin a new church year, so to speak, that begins officially, I guess, in, in September... We need to think about the opportunities that are on the horizon, the opportunities of people, whether uh, people, we've, we've come off of the summer, we've had numerous lives that have been transformed, both from students and also adults that were able to go to camp in Panama City Beach, that were able to go to Centra Kid. We've got several that are going to be going on mission trips. Uh, I'll be leaving in 28 days to go to Rwanda. Vicky Four will also be traveling to Italy at some point within the next two or three weeks, and there's, uh, there's so many opportunities and so many things that God is moving in the midst of First Baptist Church. It is a perfect time to plug in. It is a perfect time to get excited about what He's doing because I think for so many churches and for so many things, even for so many organizations and churches that I've been a part of, a lot of times we get stuck on ourselves and it all becomes about what we're doing and, you know, and it, we kind of we, we look to the in-reach of the church and we focus on what's happening inside the domains of, of these walls, of these four walls. But God is moving in the walls and moving the people that are inside the walls outside the walls to the ends of the earth. And so I know many of you have expressed an interest to want to be a part, and many of you, I'm so grateful that many of you came and were a part of Rome Mountain the other week as we attempted to minister to, to folks that were camping up there. And I just want to encourage you to get plugged in to some sort of ministry. Uh, now is the perfect time for you to get more involved in Bible study and Sunday school. Sunday school is not the dinosaur of the past. It is the entrance into the body of Christ. It is the one place, the dynamics of which that you invest your lives and people invest their lives in you. It's a perfect opportunity for you to become more involved. And our purpose and our focus, whether it's Sunday school or whether it's camp or whether it's mission opportunities or whether it's a new church here, the whole focus, the whole thrust of what we're doing is an attempt to get you to come to the Lord. To get you committed, more committed to Him. To get you to take seriously about the commitments that you've made about this relationship with Christ. And I know that many of us, many of us walked an aisle many moons ago, many decades ago. I accepted Christ in, in uh, June of 1986 at a vacation Bible school. And it's been decades since that happened. But if I'm the same today as I was in 1986, that's not God's fault. That's mine. See, the goal of the Christian faith is not just for you and me to accept Christ. And yes, that's a glorious thing. It's, a, it's a, the, the most important decision that you'll ever make. But the decision to follow Christ doesn't end the day that you choose to follow Him. The decision to follow Christ is the beginning of the journey. The journey begins when you come to Jesus. And it's not that you're finished in that moment. You have just begun 
the journey, the ups and downs of what it means to go in faith, the ups and downs of what it means to, to know Jesus, the ups and downs of what it means to grow in a relationship with Him. And if you sit here today and you say, as you evaluate your own spiritual walk and your own spiritual journey, if there's not a difference in you from the point and the journey where you began when you first accepted Christ and where you are in this moment, if you've not grown closer to Him over your years, if you've not uh, been more committed to Him and grown in a, in a deeper relationship with Him over the years, you have missed the point of what salvation is. Because salvation is not merely that you and I are saved from the wrath of God. It is that we are saved for the glory of God, that we are saved for a greater purpose. And that greater purpose we discover when we come to Jesus. Because many of us, if we come into worship and we experience His truth and we experience His love and we commit ourselves with it, with some, sometimes we'll walk down an aisle and we'll pray the sinner's prayer. Or we'll, and we have, listen, we have the best intentions in the world. Uh, and, and I would say not only the intentions, and for many of us, it is a legitimate conversion experience in which we turn our hearts and our lives over to Him. But when you and I come down the aisle to do those types of things, to commit our lives, to take a stand and say, from this moment on, I am going to be committed to Christ, you need to think about what that commitment requires. I don't know any of you that would say, I want to have a close relationship or grow in a relationship with someone, whether it's your spouse or boyfriend and girlfriend, and they'll say, well, I'm, you know, I'll be committed to you, but I'll be committed to you two-sevenths of the week. That is, I'll be committed to you on Sunday or whatever day of the week they might choose, and I'll be committed to you on Wednesday. We wouldn't sign up for that. We wouldn't have any, we would say, um, what's the problem? Because when you and I are in a, in a dynamic relationship with a person that could be potentially our significant other, we don't want him or her catting around to everybody else. We want him or her to be 100% devoted and committed to us. And Jesus wants the same thing. When you come to Christ, it's not just for a season. It's not just so that you can get wet. It's not just so that you can say, I've got the t-shirt, I've signed up, I've become a member of a local church. When you and I come to Jesus in the real sense, He takes what we bring to Him and He transforms our lives in a new way. And commitment takes on a nuance. So that when you and I are struggling with temptation and when you and I are struggling with sin, which we all do even after we come to Jesus, we have a new idea of what this commitment's about and we have a new idea of what it means to pursue Him and what it means to fail Him. It bothers us in the core of our being when we do that which is wrong. And you may sit here this morning and you may say, well, I do things that are wrong all the time and I don't feel conviction over them. And what I would tell you is you need to check your commitment. Because if you and I are seriously committed to Christ, then sin will bother us. We will be convicted of sin. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us at the point that we accept Christ. And we are bombarded on a daily basis by choices. We all have choices that we make on a day-to-day uh, -day basis, hour by hour and minute by minute. And so many of us spend our lives worried about what tomorrow is going to bring. We're worried. If you're, if you're in your 30s and 40s, you're worried. You know, and you look at the economy, you're worried. Am I going to have enough money to retire on? 
If you're a student, you're worried. Am I going to die before I get my driver's license? Am I going to die before I get married? Because marriage has its benefits, doesn't it? Exactly. So you've got to think. You've got. I mean, you, you've got to think about. Mar- let me let me make sure. Marriage does have its benefits, doesn't it? Do you know what those benefits are? Talk to your parents after the service. Marriage has its benefits. Life has its benefits. You and I have multiple choices to make. Multiple things that we can choose to do. And yet we worry time and time again if we're going to be able to accomplish this goal or jump through that hoop. We're worried if someone's going to like us today. We're worried about this new school year. What are our teachers going to require of us? What kind of assignments are going to be an uphill battle? What kind of tests and exams are we going to have to pass? Is there a course that we're having to take that we believe is going to be difficult for us to overcome? And so we become defined by those moments and those situations. If you're an educator and teacher, you may be worried about who is going to be in my classroom. What type of student is going to be in my classroom? And what type of parents or guardians does he or she have? Are they the type of parents and guardians that are going to make me happy? It's going to make me a joy to teach. Or are they one of those parents, you know the type, you know the type, one of those parents that make your prayer life all the more real? You and I get consumed by the day-to-day operations of our lives, the day-to-day commitments of our lives. And so we worry about the food that we have. We worry about the clothes that we have. We worry about the toys we want to acquire. We worry about all these things when Luke chapter 12 says, basically, don't fret. Don't worry. Jesus says to his disciples, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food. I believe that verse 23 is there because the Southern Baptist Convention exists. Life is more than food. So many things that we do are centered around food. And let me, let me tell you how it works. That's our, our, we are committed to food. That's why we have diet plans that begin every January. We are committed to food. Here's how I know it. If I do an event and I don't have food at it, there'll be 30 to 40% less attendance. If I have fried chicken at an event and I have a plethora of food, a buffet on the table, y'all are there. Because wherever the food is, that's where Jesus is going to be and that's where you and I want to be. Our commitment, and this is the thing, what are we committed to? Are we committed to the fellowship? Is that why we come to First Baptist Church? Are we committed to the enthusiasm that's a part of this worship and is a part of, of the people that make up First Baptist Church? Are we committed because of that? Are we committed because we are forced to be here? It's out of tradition. It's kind of habitual that we come to worship. Or are we committed to Christ? See, there's a difference in being committed to the church because of what we get out of it and being committed to Christ for what we're going to do and serve through Him. There's a difference between being a consumer that many people in the church are and being one that gives of themselves a benefactor, so to speak, for the church. As we seek to go on mission, as we seek to connect people to Christ, as we seek not only to speak the gospel, but to live out the gospel, and frankly, as we share the gospel, to use words only when it is absolutely necessary. 
if there's anything that I could say that Luke chapter 12 speaks to, it's not just that you shouldn't worry about food and worry about clothes. Ultimately, it's about pursuing God. If you look in verse 31 of the passage, he says, Seek His kingdom. And then these things, what, are, what is the antecedent of things? The antecedent of those things is everything that's mentioned above. If you and I will seek the kingdom of God, if we will seek His will, if we will seek His purpose, if we will just merely seek Him, everything else will fall into place. Let me give you an illustration of how that works. This year, or this Friday, I should say, we celebrated our 16th anniversary. And um, I've been married for 16 years, and as I've told somebody, as I jokingly have told somebody, I've been married 16 years, I've been happily married for four months. It's, it's, an, awesome, it's an awesome thing that you're supposed to laugh at that. Boy, y'all are not with it today. <laughs> Am I here? <laughs> yes? No? Okay, I've been married for 16 years. And so when, I, when we were in college, whew, when we were in college, um, I got concerned towards my junior year of college. I thought, okay, uh, you know, I'm in, you know, kinda, we're dating and we're kind of in this relationship. And our relationship had gone really as far as it could go. There's nothing else to discuss. There's nothing else to do other than get married. And so we had the, kind of this conversation uh, that she and I did, and it was much like this. Either we're going to take the next step and get engaged to be married, or we're just parting ways because, there, I mean, it's over. I mean, we've done everything there is to do that is biblically uh, good and true, uh, and so that was kind of our focus. And so I was like, okay, if, if, we, if we don't go with this, this relationship, I thought to myself, What's my future going to look like? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I may be headed to graduate school. Uh, you know, if, if, we, if, if she was planning to go to the Dominican Republic. And really, there were a lot of plans. And we, we basically said, you know, how do you know that you know that you know that your significant other-to-be is supposed to be your significant other? And so one of the things that she was planning to, to go in the field of social work. And she was planning to go on mission, uh, basically on a, a mission to live in the Dominican Republic, which... I didn't care anything about living in the Dominican Republic, and at the time, I really didn't care anything about missions, to tell you the truth. I mean, missions, missionary, I know some of you are going to cringe. Missions, that was, no, nah, that is not for me. I'm not going to go on the mission field. I'm not called to go on the mission field. I will never go to a third world country because they don't have a Holiday and Express that serves cinnamon buns uh, in the morning. And so that was kind of, kind of my, my idea um, of missions. And, you know, I might go on a short-term mission trip maybe to the Bahamas or perhaps to Hawaii, but uh, I don't know that, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I don't feel that the Lord would lead me to do otherwise. And so as we were, were focusing, it, it's like the Lord told both of us that you need to seek me. You don't need to be worried about your relationship. You don't need to be worried because she was going to be working all summer at Ridgecrest. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of single guys that work at Ridgecrest and... I don't know if I like that idea. And so I showed up at Ridgecrest, and sure enough, there is this punk that was working at Ridgecrest <laughs> and had given her, she, she, she's not, you're not going to think I remember this, that she, he, he, gave her, he gave her a keychain. And the keychain said, you are a cutie. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, you are a cutie. Yeah, that's not happening. We're going to have a throwdown right here. I'm going to... 
I'm going to grab, listen, I'm going to grab the biggest King James Bible and I'm going to whop him upside the head. That was my plan. So on the one occasion that I get to go to Ridgecrest and uh, she was kind of a crisis counselor there for Centrifuge and so she was counseling a student. So I get there about 8 o'clock at night, attend worship, find out that she's been given this keychain that says you are a cutie and so I'm planning my, my strategic attack uh, against this individual. Uh, he was just a dweeb. Can I say that publicly? Just a dweeb. And so, um, and so uh, I'm sitting there and I'm anticipating being able to go get ice cream or something, you know, kind of have a, you know, a little date, maybe take her to dinner. That's not happening. So she comes to me and she goes, I'm in the middle of crisis. I'm dealing with a student. I don't have time for you. Um, so best, uh, you might as well just go home. I'm sorry. I'm in crisis. I need therapy. How about, how about, listen, how about some therapy on my lips and my cheek? That would be great. And so, um, so I, I'm sitting there thinking that, and so she, she kind of pushes me away. And so, I mean, it gets, I mean, I go home. I, I go, you know, I, I go home. So the next weekend I come back. And again, she, she gets away from a busy schedule. And this is like the first two, two weeks of camp, as I remember. And so we go into Black Mountain to this little, uh, I think it was Pizza Hut, some kind of pizza joint or whatnot. And we sit down. And she tells me, and she told me, she goes, do not engage me. If you, if you attempt to ask me to marry you before the end of this summer, I will say no. I am not interested because my priority is the Lord. I don't have time for you. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have time for me? Um, and so we sit there at Pizza Hut, and I remember I, I gave her this illustration, uh, and it's kind of corny uh, to begin with. But it was kind of romantic, and I think it won brownie points. But I told her, I said, you know, I'm not going to worry about these people, this punk that is trying to get the inner side of you, so to speak. I'm not going to worry about this guy that I don't know. I'm not going to worry. I trust you. And one of the things, and I, and I really, I had this kind of this, um, this experience, uh, kind of a spiritual awakening, and it was this. If things are meant to be, they will be. For me to try to force a relationship, and students, you need to hear this clearly. If it's meant to be, it will be. You cannot force a relationship. Listen, you can't try to convince the other person that they like you more or that they love you more. Either they love you or they don't. Either they're going to be committed to Christ or they're not. Don't go out with people, don't date people that are not going to pursue Christ first and foremost. Don't start that. Don't start that because you are destined, listen, you are destined to be upset. Don't think to yourself, well, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm just going to go after him. And I'll, you know, he's not a follower of Christ, but he's a good guy. He treats me right and I'll, you know, the Lord will use me to win him over. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I will say this. I've never seen it happen. I've never seen it happen. I've never seen a girl lead her boyfriend to be closer to Christ. Usually it's the opposite direction. And the same is true in the other, uh, on the other end. doesn't matter whether the girl's the lead or the guy's the lead. If you are unequally yoked, you are destined to be hurt in the process. Don't worry. Listen, don't pursue your relationships. Don't pursue one another. Don't pursue your friendships. Listen, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, don't pursue your career. 
Don't pursue the mighty dollar. Don't pursue the American dream. You and I have a calling on our lives. Verse 31, seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. And when we sat there and I told her, I said, I used this, as I said, corny illustration. I said, I view it very much like a bird that's caged. And I said, I have caged you. Uh, I have, uh, and, and not that, not that she really allowed me to cage her. Uh, she would be very quick to tell you that. Uh, but in, in my vision, I kind of, I had, I had caged her. And I said, look, you're his. The cage is open. You can fly where you want to fly. You can do what you need to do. You do what you need to do this summer. I'm not the priority. God is the priority. And that's been true. Listen, it's been true for the 16 years of our marriage. Now, have there been times where she's been off and I've been off? Absolutely. But you know what the great, the great testimony of, of our marriage is? It's not a perfect marriage. We have had many, 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 many discussions and arguments. And she's been wrong a majority of the time. Uh, and, and there's, there's all these... I'm going to be in so much trouble. There's all these things that have gone in our marriage. We don't have a perfect marriage. But thank God we seek His kingdom as much as we can and try to be in tune with it because there are days where I am off. I am completely off my rocker. I'm not seeking His kingdom. I'm focused on other things. And she puts me right back to the center. There are days where she is off her rocker. She's having a bad day. Thanks be to God that we individually and corporately have this idea in sight. Seek His kingdom. And so we keep each other accountable. Listen, the person you want to spend your life with, the friends that you want to involve and connect to, are people that are going to put you into a deeper and closer relationship with Christ. For 16 years, that woman has made me closer to Christ than I ever would have been had I been by myself. And I pray and I hope that that is her testimony as well. That we together have pursued Christ as much as possible. Listen, again, it's not been a perfect relationship. There's been sin in that relationship. There's been hateful things said on both of our parts. There's been, and just like any marriage has its ups and its downs. But she knows on my worst day that I love her more than anything. She knows on my worst day that I love Christ more than I love her. And I know that on her worst day that she loves Christ more than she loves me. And that is what has grounded us. And I believe that's why we've survived the 16 years. When you have two type AAA alpha female and male in a household... When you have two chiefs that come together and say, no, this is the way it's going to be. And we both try to argue logically and empirically and every other way. When I get preached to and I preach back at her and all these things. But let me tell you something. We could do a TV show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Pursue God. Seek His kingdom. Chase after Him. Don't worry about what your future holds. Worry. Concentrate. Focus on the one who has called you in the present, this moment, this time. Don't worry about your wealth. Don't worry about your positions or your prosperity or whether you're going to make the right, uh, you're going to get to the right place in your workplace or you're going to make the right grade. Don't worry about these things. Seek his 
kingdom. Because the reality is that when you have a church full of people that are not just pursuing church because of the relationships, or they're not just pursuing church because of the enthusiasm, or they're not just uh, uh, pursuing church because of the hype, but when they are actually pursuing the body of Christ because they are seeking His kingdom and attempting to make sure that their lives line up with the Master, then you have a church that will go everywhere and anywhere and will be focused to the ends of the earth. You will have a church that's not going to be involved in the fighting within because we're too busy advancing His kingdom. We're so committed to focus on reaching the lost that the color of the carpet, the color of the seats, the type of music, the type of screen, the type of candles, the type of flowers, all of this stuff pales in comparison. And we frankly don't care because this kind of stuff, these pews, even these these windows, these lights, everything in here. None of this matters when people are pursuing the kingdom. And that's exactly where the church needs to be. I've been in a number of churches in my life. They all have their pros and their cons. But I am, and I, I said this the other day and I would say it again, it is the greatest honor, one of the greatest honors of my life to serve at First Baptist Church Elizabethan. Because I want to tell you, there are real people that are seeking a real God and are committed to His kingdom at all cost. Why do we love Elizabethan, Tennessee? Why do we consider this our home? Because people that are spiritually in tune with Christ are seeking His kingdom they're counting the cost they're not looking back they're not focused on what could be they're not focused on finances they're not focused on church budget let me tell you something the Lord Jesus Christ is much bigger than our church budget we will never be able to outspend what God has spent to bring us to this moment and this time and this place and you and I should lavish in the honor and the glory of God and our commitment must be to take our experience our enthusiasm our relationship Relationships, our hope and our peace and connect it with the world that lies outside the parameters of these doors to the ends of the earth whether the ends of the earth for us is raw mountain or the ends of the earth for us is in Georgia or the ends of the earth is in Panama City Beach or the ends of the earth is Italy or Rome or, or, or Rwanda or everywhere else listen you and I will never ever 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 be able to rest as long as there is one soul on planet earth who is yet to have the opportunity to experience what we have had the opportunity to experience that must be our commitment and if we say that's our commitment then make no doubt about it then you and I must be seeking his kingdom you said well I consider God the priority he's number one on my list and many of you have I've said about a year ago in a sermon I said for many of us, when we prioritize our relationship with Christ, we'll say Christ is number one, family is number two, job is number three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if I, if I had you get out today and, and, and list, that's what you would do. But I want to be very careful to help you understand that when you and I seek his kingdom, there's only one thing on the page, and that's him. You don't worry about family. You don't prioritize. You never put anything else on the same playing field as the Almighty God. Because if you and I, listen, if you and I would just master the number one thing, the priority, His kingdom, if we would seek that more than everything else, you won't have to worry 
about your marriage. You won't have to worry about your job. You say, well, now, wait a minute now. My job's not very open to faith. I could be fired. So what? So what? So what if you get fired? Do you believe if you get fired that God is not going to provide for you? Don't live in fear of pursuing God because you're, not, you're, you're fearful of what the response of others might be. You be God's changing agent where you are, however you are, in your school, in your business, in your home. Seek His kingdom. Now some of you said that sounds well and good, but He hasn't walked in my shoes. You're absolutely right. I haven't walked in your shoes, nor have you walked in mine, but this I will tell you. I know what it's like, as I said last week, in preaching the gospel of Christ and wanting to share with you the things I would like to share rather than what God wants me to share. That's what we call tickling the ears rather than touching the heart. God has called us, every minister, each one of you as a believer and follower of Jesus, not to tickle people's ears, not to tell them what they want to hear, but tell them what they need to hear and to touch people's hearts. We are in, we, listen, we are all cardiologists. We are called to touch and, and, and work with people's hearts so that the Lord Jesus, through his miraculous work, can radically change and radically save. That must be our commitment. This is what I know. I have been in position both secularly and I've been in position in church where I've been told, if you speak about these things or if you do this, there will be repercussions. And guess what? There were repercussions. In my secular position, I got written up, which meant I didn't get a pay raise. And eventually, it led kind of to a separation of ways where I just could not serve in that capacity anymore. Did I ever miss a paycheck? Did I ever worry about anything? No. Why? Because I was seeking first His kingdom. See, when you and I are seeking first His kingdom, we're not trying to please people. We're only interested in pleasing Him. In church work, listen... When I first started in ministry, I would tell people what they wanted to hear. This is one of the things where Tabby would offer me counsel. She said, look, if you came up to me and you said, could you please uh, be here on this Thursday or could you join us? And then I would say, I tr I'll try. I'll try. And what would happen is, I would say I'll try, but I really didn't want to go, so I wouldn't do it. But it was, a, it was a, a way out. I would say I would try, but I really had no intentions of going. So when they got upset, I was like, I never told you I would go. I just told you I would try, and I tried, but it didn't work. And so uh, that's kind of the way. And she told me, she goes, no, you have got to let people, yes or no. It's better to tell them no than tell them I'm going to try. How many of you would agree with that? Mm -hmm, exactly. And so in our, in, in our, in our relationship and in, in, in the workplace, there have been a lot of times in ministry where there was an easier road to choose. But yet, I chose to be emptied for the purpose of Jesus, which means that I surrendered everything to Him. See, God doesn't want your half commitment. He doesn't want you to be half committed to pursue His will. He doesn't want you to be three-fourths committed to pursue His will. He's not interested in your 99.99% dial soap commitment to His will. He is interested in 100%, 110%, everything you are, all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, everything from here, there, and yonder, east to the west, north and south, everything that embodies you, everything that's in your makeup, all the baggage that you bring, and all the baggage you've inherited, all of it, and he wants you to pursue his kingdom. And he wants you to come to Jesus. Because God knows that when you come to Jesus, 
And when you stand in front of Him and you surrender your life to Him and you commit yourself to Him, that when you seek His kingdom, nothing else is going to matter because everything else is going to fall in its rightful place. Seek the kingdom, follow Christ. And then verse 33 of the passage. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes, uh, comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he saying? He's telling us, yearn for what matters most. Seek his kingdom and yearn for what matters most. Set your hopes high. So this morning I simply ask you, what do you treasure? What are the things that you value most in this life? What are the things you value most about your experience of church? Please don't say the people. Please don't say the worship. Please don't say your Bible study class. As much, and listen, as great as those things are, they are not the point. They are a means to the end in pursuing the kingdom of God, in pursuing and being committed to Christ. What is it that you treasure? What are the things that you value in your life? Because here's what the Bible says. Whatever it is that you value most, whatever it is that you treasure most, whatever it is that you hold fast to most, that's where your heart is. And I think that's why so many people will come and darken the door of the local church and join the local church and they get disillusioned in a matter of six months and they go to the next greatest thing. Why? Because the things that they valued and the things that they treasured were not rooted in the sovereignty and the hope of Christ. They did not seek His kingdom first. You may ask today, well, what does it mean to seek His kingdom? It means exactly what the Bible teaches. Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, pursue Him. In other words, you're worried about your grades in school? Pursue Him. You're worried about your relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatnot? Pursue Him. Him. You're worried about your relationship with your parents or uh, with your siblings or your in-laws or you're worried about friends that you've had. Pursue Him in those relationships. You're worried about the church and how long, this, how long is this wave going to last because so many of us have been in churches where the wave, we're riding the wave and eventually what happens to the wave? It crashes. Listen, the wave doesn't crash so that you can be broken. The wave washes you up on the shore so that you can take the experience of what it was like to go in the tide of God and to pursue people with everything that you are, to share with them what your hope is, to share with them what your and my treasure is. Whatever it is that we value, that's where our hearts are. So it's really time for a reality check. It's time for a, a, a truth check, an authenticity check. What is it that you and I value more than anything else? Do we value Him? Do we pursue Him with all that we are? You may say, I, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to you know, be secure in where I'm headed but there's a couple things I want to do 
before I commit. And so you're thinking about, you want to have fun, you want to have your own life, you want to have it your way. You want to do what you want to do, and here's what God knows. God will allow you to do what you and I want to do, and as much fun as it might be, as much laughter as we might have, it will never be as exhilarating as what it would be if we would just simply seek His kingdom. We can add years, listen, we can add years to our lives, but we do not have the ability to add life to our years. Don't focus so much on what you're gaining by pursuing Jesus. Don't listen. Don't commit to Christ and say, I'm glory bound, I'm heaven bound, and that's the end of the story. Enjoy the journey for what it is. Enjoy the highs, enjoy the lows, enjoy the curves, either left or the right. Enjoy it all because listen, listen. God's put you on your path where you are with the struggle. He's allowed you to struggle in the areas that you struggle with. Why? Because He wants you to seek Him first. And above all, He wants you and me and everyone else in between to come to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we come into a time of invitation, and God, as we think about just our lives and we think about our commitments we think about our relationship we think about our time and how much our energy and time is spent pursuing things and pursuing people and pursuing agendas and jumping through this hoop or that hoop Lord so often we're disillusioned why because we fail to seek you making you the ultimate focus of our lives and Lord, today in this invitation, as we come to experience your truth, as we come to a time of decision, Lord, with every head bowed and every eye closed and every heart open, we pray, Lord, that you would work miraculously in this place. That, God, that we could come to the realization that we, we've perhaps been pursuing you for the wrong reasons. We've been pursuing you for what we're going to gain rather than pursuing you for the reason that's right, for, for what you say. We would seek your kingdom. Lord, help us as we are in this journey. Help us to take this moment. Help us to enjoy every moment of the journey. Lord, as we pursue you with all that we are. God, as we evaluate what we value. And as we commit ourselves to focusing on you alone. God, help us as your people. Help us to be sensitive to how you're leading us, how we're leading our homes, how we're leading our businesses, how we're going back to school, the influence that we can have with other students, influence that we can have with our friends. Father, be with the teachers as they go back. and God, help them, help us all to pursue your kingdom, that you might be first. Not to worry about all these other things but let us be caught up in who you are and what you're calling us to do that we might know what we value we might know where our heart is and Lord I pray today that everybody's heart here as we leave this place could be in you may you be what we value may that be where our treasure is located it's in Christ's name we pray Amen we invite you this morning if you're here and 
you'd like to commit your life to Christ, maybe recommit your life to Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and said, you know, I like to be a part of First Baptist Church. I want to I wanna be able to use my gifts and talents that God has given me to advance His kingdom in whatever way and shape and form that takes. Whatever decision that God has spoken to you, whatever God, decision that God is leading, as you come, you're not coming to this altar. You're not coming to the threshold of First Baptist Church. You're coming to Jesus. And Jesus is here to meet you where you are. He's here to meet you just as you are. And He wants you to be centered in His will. He wants your marriage to be centered in His will. Maybe you're in a relationship today that is, you don't need to be in. Maybe you're in a marriage that is, is almost on the brink of brokenness. Maybe both of you are here today and you say, you know what, we, we need to surrender our marriage. It, you know, Christ needs to be the focus of what we're doing. If that's your prayer, if that's your hope today, we invite you to come. We invite you to meet Jesus. We invite you to come to Him. And He's going to take you the way you are, just as you are. And He's going to give you far more than you ever asked for or imagined. And life is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a bed of roses from here on out. But at least, at least, He'll have your treasure. And you'll know whom you belong to. You'll know that you are not your own, that you're here for a purpose, and that God loves you immeasurably. That's our invitation this morning. So as we stand, won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come and meet Jesus face to face?